You're listening to the Plastic Shift Podcast. Welcome to the Plastic Shift Podcast. I'm Madhav Malhotra, one of the students at the Plastic Shift, and I'm reaching out to several experts working to solve issues with plastic pollution. This podcast showcases unique perspectives on this massive problem to identify what its most important aspects are. Today, I'm interviewing Taylor Lei Kanitsaro, the Chief Alliance Officer at Plastic Bank. Plastic Bank enables informal waste collectors in developing countries to exchange plastics for valuable currency or items. They then sell these socially sustainable plastics to producers and help them turn them into new products. Their work to help both poor waste collectors and enable recycling in developing countries is very unique, so I'm excited to hear about Taylor's perspective on the challenges with plastic pollution in developing countries. I just wanted to thank you for joining me today and taking the time to share the perspective on on what seems to be a promising solution to this entire problem. And I know Plastic Bank's approach, it's been gaining attention and you've talked to me about how it's scaling. So I thought, first of all, the big question was, could you quickly summarize the work at Plastic Bank and your role there? Absolutely. Plastic Bank is a network of stores for the most poor people around the world that allows a value exchange of plastics, also paper and aluminum, really a material exchange where now waste is currency. And so things like even so it's cash, but and also uh, within our IBM based blockchain uh, technology, we also are able to exchange for goods and services like Wi-Fi, cell phone minutes, education for their children, effectively everything that the most impoverished communities need and can't afford, now exchangeable using what was once trash as a resource and as a currency for the world. We take those materials and we return them to the supply chain, to packaging, to products, Uh, in partnership with some of our our greatest partners, multinationals like Henkel and S.E. Johnson, that return that material as social plastic, a new category of plastic, not not recycled plastic, not ocean plastic, but social plastic, (laughs) whose value is transferred into the lives of the people that encounter it. And then it's repurposed into packaging, going back into their circular economy, that then consumers and staff of all of these beautiful companies that we partner with are able to engage. And really, they are the heroes in this journey. That every time you buy a product with social plastic in it, you yourself are acting to support and stop the flow of plastic into the ocean and eradicate and or alleviate, at the very minimum, poverty around the world, which is really what's at the root cause of this ocean plastic crisis we're in, is poverty. So we get to address poverty on the path to stopping ocean plastic. Mm-hmm. My role is uh, I'm, I'm Chief Alliance Officer for Plastic Bank. Uh, so I head up partnerships, I support in sales, value creation, and driving those exponential relationships to move our, comp- our company and our impact everywhere faster, working with the sales and marketing team and how can we live in the hearts and the minds of, of really people around the world. Yeah, um, that's great to hear, especially with all the people being impacted. I know at first it can seem a little bit complicated to understand how the entire model works with all the stakeholders being impacted. 
So if you could describe the key stakeholders involved in the work of Plastic Bank and also the locations where you're working, what does that environment look like in terms of the status quo of the quality of life, of the environmental standards, all that? Absolutely. You know, we operate in Haiti. It's where we began our beautiful journey. And uh, then the Philippines, um, Indonesia, Brazil, Egypt is our latest ecosystem. And, you know, imagine yourself, however, these conditions in areas of extreme poverty, you don't have a floor or you don't have a door and your, your children are at risk of dying from fever. So, you know, the people who we encounter and that we bring into our ecosystem and become our collectors, our collection members, are often people who um, begin to recognize the value of what was once waste that they just threw in their environment or left outside their doors to be um, washed away with the rains and into the oceans. And when they're aware and when they become aware of the opportunity, it, it shifts behavior naturally as opposed to teaching or telling someone about recycling. It becomes part of something that is important to them because it gives them a new opportunity. It gives them dignity. It gives them a, a way to one, double and triple their income uh, if they are a full-time collector. Um, and really our go-to model is to engage every household, every family, every, every school, every church, every community center to participate in the value exchange. And so for some of our collection members and really how we will be exponential and making a huge impact around the world is, you know, it could be replacing an income, it could be doubling, tripling, and it could just mean, you know, an additional uh, meal or additional access to um, maybe a protein source or a, a new opportunity within the family to add value to that. So um, our collection members, are varied. Um, a lot of them, though, can't read. Uh, so we create opportunities for literacy and, and additionally financial literacy as, as really the platform enables them to have financial inclusion. And then uh, along that, that value chain, you know, certainly we partner with local recyclers and processors uh, in country to economically develop the stakeholders along that chain. And uh, really to create, again, brand recognition efficiency again they can use the platform themselves as well so a lot of times they're maybe using pen and paper or an excel uh excel sheet at best quickbooks um now everything is documented within a, a blockchain technology fully auditable traceable which just improves all efficiency in the in the business and then certainly from there um you know our supply chain extends around the world based on that which exists with our current partners um, so we work with their existing uh, supply chains so as to be not disruptive and again, optimizing uh, locality and uh, efficiencies along the way. We continue to prove that, of course, um, but, you know, we do ship the material uh, across the world based on our ecosystems and, and something in COVID-19 times proved very uh, powerful for us where we have a diversification of our supply chain. So when the Philippines shut down, then we can source our social plastic from Indonesia and Haiti, for example. Um, so really what we do is, is try to keep as much value in country and to uplift everyone along the path of it. Um, and then uh, really becoming the Uber of recycling, right? Where we can leverage existing networks and ecosystems uh, to be exponential together. Mm -hmm. And it really seems like with all the different types of impacts, you mentioned how 
you've been able to help local communities, you've been able to work with recyclers to develop their infrastructure. There's a lot of benefits to the business model that is going on at Plastic Bank. And I would love to ask you, what is the key thing that enables you to say, achieve the scalability? Because oftentimes with the results, it's all great. But when it comes to Plastic Bank, it seems like there's something more unique behind the economics of how all of this is possible with how you partner with recyclers and develop the brand awareness with social plastics. Yeah, I mean, we are able to, gosh, last month we hit a huge milestone of 10 million kilograms collected to date. And we're now ramping uh, at a million kilograms per month. And so we really have created that uh, threshold of of really hitting exponential growth in, in the material that we're able to collect. Um, And it really is the way that the company and the leaders and the team thinks where, you know, instead of trying to do everything by ourselves, how can we create partnerships? How can we create exponential uh, relationships with existing networks like Gojek, for example, recently in Indonesia, where we leverage uh, their platform with our platform integrated together for their millions of drivers that they uh, currently have in their system to even exchange their Gcash for our tokens um, and really creating relationships like that um, that allow us to um, you know, not have to be going person to person. It's like a referral network automatically. Um, something we're looking at in Vietnam right now is uh, a network and an existing company there, which you know, that's a new country for us. And so how could we partner with them? They have relationships with thousands of schools that impact millions of children that are connected to obviously their families. And so educating the youth and creating them as impact ambassadors that bring it home to their parents, share their their opportunity. The materials are brought back to the schools. The school itself often um, based on the relationship and how also benefits from it. Um, so we create these win-win-win situations for everyone along uh, the, the, the process. So it really creates enrollment naturally um, when you recognize the value. Definitely. And it really seems like at this key moment, it's like the start of a huge inflection point. Like you mentioned, with the new countries, you're scaling to the enormous amounts of stakeholders you're working with. But I was curious to kind of understand what are some of the problems that you're still working on in the recycling industry? And of course, it differs from country to country, but are there any key trends that you've noticed that you're still hoping to address within the next five years? Yeah, we have to stop making multi-layered products. So the sachets, I think we spoke about this last time, um, you know, where there's uh, you know, aluminum, plastic aluminum, and then the, the glossy um, print um, in and so those are really low value, uh, not possible of being recycled effectively and or collected effectively. Now we are you know, definitely also labeled as the candy crushers of recycling. We can gamify it so we can incentivize uh, by adjusting the price per kilogram of certain materials, um, which is beautiful. And so we're, we're testing that in our in the areas where we work. Um, so to collect some of the lower value materials and create a market opportunity for them and partner with those companies that um, want those materials and or are responsible for those materials potentially. Um, And what we're really looking forward for is, you know, continuing to produce items that are recycled and that are recyclable. 
And so that means, you know, no longer one product having a few different types of plastics involved in it. And so we go to a, a single source because in country, you know, our, our collection members and our, and our staff remove labels, caps, rings, so as to increase the value of the material, not to mention the feedstock being a high quality. And so uh, you, know, you don't have to shut down the lines in order to clean them when you have a low quality contaminated uh, feedstock. Um, and not to mention transferring that value back into the hands of the people. So as we can continue to increase the value of the material and not devalue the supply chain of what's being produced, I think that that's going to be very important for us as we move along um, in optimizing the circular economy and really turning off the tap, as we commonly say, of virgin plastic, virgin materials at large. You know, we really are moving towards being at urban miners where you know, we're material agnostic in the platform so we can stop making virgin materials and, and stop losing it in the environment, especially oceans, let alone landfill, and just capturing all that value, all that material. Um, and again, putting it back into the hands of people so as to uplift and, and really end this poverty conversation. You know, SDG strategically placed, number one is poverty. We address that. We got, we got a lot of uh, gain way in there, gateway into improving everything else uh, that's listed there. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it really is that key thing that, you know, it's not just an environmental problem anymore. If we can also integrate a social aspect into it, especially like with all the issues in the informal waste management uh, systems that have existed in a bunch of developing countries for such a long time, it really seems like a great disruption. But when it comes to that key problem, with the multi-layered plastics, with the value of the material. It always seems like that is the key barrier. So with different types of plastics being recycled, whether they're multi-layered or not, and then even more so with plastics that typically don't work with typical recycling processes. But aside from these technological barriers, are there also any other main barriers that come about when you're trying to, say, phase out multi-layered plastics or deal with this? issue that still leads to low value waste that can't typically be recycled? You know, the thing that comes to mind is, is probably the infrastructure, right? Having additional recyclers and processors locally in country and the, the ability for them to receive it and then return it back to the supply chain, back to packaging, back to products. Um, that's what occurs for me and certainly, you know, the wake up of, of China no longer taking our materials globally, you know, really shed a light on the gap of infrastructure that we have. Um, and the ability to collect locally, which is something we're out to encounter, but then also partner with others uh, who want to support us in this process and who want to partner with us and put their facilities close to where we operate as well. And to really create that ecosystem powerfully wherever we go um, is important. And then leveraging, of course, the relationships, the partners that want to partner with us inside of exposing the exponential networks that already exist and having all of the stakeholders work you know, in, a, in a concert together uh, to be effective because we have to be everywhere as fast as we can. Yeah, that is the huge issue that's um, been preventing like so many people from, from making a meaningful impact in this. Like It is so complicated. It does involve so many different people coming together. But right now, it does seem like a promising time, especially with the scaling you're doing. And I was wondering about that. You know, right now, it seems like it's great, the model in Haiti, the model in the Philippines, and as you're scaling up to different countries, you talked about the importance of working with local stakeholders to understand how regional changes affect things, how the best people to partner with in one country 
might be unique and might present opportunities. In general, what do you think are these key principles for being able to scale to a bunch of uh, other parts of the world, whether it be with plastic bank specific work or with the work of many other nonprofits that also are trying to have an impact on a larger scale? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're moving towards the opportunity of licensing our platform. And I think, you know, I mean, we often say it, you know, so long as you have a smartphone and a, and a digital scale, it's like a business in a pocket. So really, I mean, anyone anywhere can leverage the technology and facilitate the process where they are. And so, you know, as we're starting to see even, you know, again, this kind of spoken hub model, uh, you know, as we activate schools and even churches, and again, we're not faith-based. However, we just recognize uh, community centers where people are already gathering our wonderful opportunity to collect the material as they're bringing uh, their offering, they can bring the materials. And then uh, people in the community can actually facilitate the transfer of the material to a local um, hub and really even take it upon themselves. So, you know, I think that's what's next is, is really licensing the technology and allowing um, others access. I mean, really, you know, cooperative models are the go-to. We've seen this powerfully in the Philippines. Um, and as we continue to become and iterate our business model and, and learn culture and partnerships and networks that exist in countries, uh, you know, it's really that, that which we're looking for uh, to really make it so we can be everywhere uh, now. Yeah. And especially in times like these with, you know, all of the shocks, there are a lot of companies thinking about what do we change to suddenly be more effective in how we approach this problem. One question I'd like to ask you is, are there any long-term changes in the strategy you're using to address this problem that have come about in this time of uncertainty? Well, one thing we did launch was what we called the community relief fund as a result of COVID-19 and it's 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 designed as a as a disaster relief but really any kind of relief as an opportunity and so how it works is an advancement of funds for any family or anyone who's struggling no interest absolutely zero uh, that they can pay back over time um, by bringing plastic at a small percent that they bring us over time, right? So as an evergreen fund, always available for our communities and our collection members. And so it really is about banking the unbankable and creating financial inclusion opportunities um, to really uh, create the opportunity for the billion to come online, to engage with the rest of the world, to add their creativity, to add their voices, um, and really unlock a whole new thing that we don't even understand is possible when that becomes available. Um, so I think that that's a way in which that will continue to even see more opportunities um, with our partners uh, and why it's of interest even for our partners to participate um, to really bring the world together. Yeah, it seems like all the work at Plastic Bank can be a really great model for everyone else working on this issue. And if you were to say one thing to any other organizations or individuals listening, what do you think are some of the areas that need more attention when it comes to solving plastic pollution? I think we need to increase, of course, the recyclability of the material over time. And there's a lot of work in, in going on in that right now. I mean, one thing we communicate very powerfully, if we move away from plastic, we would be devalu- devaluing the material at a time that we need to be increasing the value of the material. 
you know, if there's 9 trillion kilograms of plastic currently on the earth today, um, you know, at roughly a dollar plus per kilo value, um, you know, we're, we're talking about an immense amount of resource that if distributed around the world would absolutely eradicate the poverty. Uh, I think it's estimated it's like 500 billion to end all poverty around the world. Um, so, you know, inside of us finding new solutions and alternative materials, um, you know, it really is about us coming together to address, you know, in city and areas of privilege, what to do there versus what we're doing in areas of poverty. And, and it's not a one solution fits all, right? We need an army of solutions for an army of problems that work strategically together uh, to really think about and anticipate the impacts. Um, and that's something I think is very important for us all to consider as we, you know, innovate and create and develop together uh, more powerfully than we do if we're just kind of doing something on our own. So this whole beehive conversation of how can we beehive this and how can we really address, you know, something that is, you know, really a threat at the same time as what Plastic Bank has done is turn that into one of humanity's greatest opportunities. Yeah, I really love that analogy. And it seems like all the work at Plastic Bank is very promising, very inspiring, and it's going to be very interesting to look at how the company grows over the next little while and comes out of this insight into be a new addition to all the work we've seen over the past decades and be a new change. And it's really great to hear the perspective behind that. So thank you for sharing all these details about your work, what you think are going to be some trends in the future, and the insight for everyone else like listening in on this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's a beautiful time for us at Plastic Bank. You know, the team has really powerfully created a, a strong foundation to develop this, the supply chain of social plastic in an exponential way, like truly proving our concept. Um, and so now what's there is to uh, have, you know, all of North America and all of Europe and, and all of the world really know who we are and, and what we've been up to, really driving first at the heart of it, um, really going at the source of it to, um, you know, really address the problem, you know, in the areas where it's going into the ocean is those areas of extreme poverty. And now bringing it out to the rest of the world for everyone to know and for everyone to participate, that's what's next. And inside of the platform, there's a huge engagement strategy opportunity that we're building right now. So uh, it's coming and it's going to be a really beautiful unfolding as, uh, uh, as we reveal it. Yeah, and it's a great note to wrap up with, with the open perspective as we continue to see this amazing progress on the issue. So thank you for all your time today. It's been a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. And, and certainly for anyone listening, if you're interested in participating with us, go to plasticbank.com, uh, join our revolution, sign up for our newsletter. There's a plastic footprint calculator you can discover for yourself, your own. Uh, one thing we're building is a uh, as an additional educational portal. So look out for that coming soon. Um, and we'll have webinars and other types of ways in which to engage. So stay tuned for more and, and please follow us on our social media channels. Yeah, I'll be sure to include all those links and thank you for all this perspective.